Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Leave, leave it all behind. Rewrite the story. Change the what if we took the time to get to know a person? Not just the first impression, but their story. I'm Shani Payton, and I am bringing you along as I learn that I am not alone in this journey of life, and neither are you. Join me every week as I hear courageous stories of inspiring individuals determined to leave an impact on this world. I speak with many who have suffered through challenges I myself have been through, such as living in a cult, infertility, foster care, adoption, and mental health illness. I have experienced firsthand how the stories of others have impacted me in my journey of healing. My goal is for you to feel that you are not alone in your struggles. Let's heal together, and you know I'll be bringing some fun along the way. Now let's dive in to some emotional, scary, humorous, and heroic stories. Thanks for coming along as I continue to grow. Welcome to the Shanty Pants Show. This is the moment. It's time to turn the page. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Shanty Pants Show. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I appreciate it so much. Today my guest is, now I call her friend. I met her when I was on her podcast. She is now on my podcast and she is stuck with me for life at this point. And I am very thankful that I get to call her my friend. But she is a Canadian actress. She's an author. I will be sharing all of the places you can find her in the show notes. We'll be talking about it during this episode. So you will be hearing all about her. She recently was on the HBO documentary series um, called The Vow. So if you haven't watched that, you definitely need to get over and watch that. And I'm just so thrilled that she decided to spend some time with me and hang out and that we got to have a fun chat today. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. And if you're going to learn one thing from this podcast, because I always want you to have something to take away, this is the one thing to learn. Don't join a cult. Okay? Like, it's not good. The only person you should be following is me. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm so and happy to be here. Yay. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this one very much. So why don't you go ahead and tell the audience who you are? Well, uh, Sarah, in a nutshell, let's see. Um, born and raised in Vancouver. Um, I am an actress. I am the child of former very left-wing hippie social activist parents who are now in the um oh coffee's not kicked in yet um they're both therapists what's that world uh, mental health yeah mental health thank you you're welcome <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'm very articulate um but it same yeah and then i say that because it's important because it kind of it, it um it informed my journey and my mm. journey is a crazy story when I try to encapsulate it like this, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm 44 and this all happened to me. But mm. um, 
In the twenty in two thousand five, I joined uh, what I thought was a personal and professional professional development program called Executive Success Programs. I loved it very much. It became my community. I did it uh, because I was looking for community and my and meaning and purpose. And I really, well, at the time, I was you know a struggling actress, and this really filled a void for me in a lot of different ways. Mm. And I did that for for years. I decided I wanted to bring this curriculum to Canada. There was uh, no school at that time. I opened a center, traveled back and forth to Albany, New York, where we joked was where the mothership was. <laughs> and all the while, you know, I had friends joke about, you know, Sarah's in a cult. And my agent would say, you're going to shave your head. And we'd joke. And I even said, yeah, if this is a cult. It's a cult of happy, successful people. What's the bad? What what possibly could be going on that would be bad? We're not drinking Kool-Aid. Um, we're not shaving our heads and drinking goat's blood. So, it, you know, it was it was something that I, I just couldn't see until I saw it. And mm. to make a very long story short, I ended up being invited into a... I was told it was unrelated, but found out later it was a, a subset of, of Nexium, a, a secret society for women, supposed to be a badass bitch boot camp, and that um, led to a initiation ceremony that was supposed to be a tattoo. Ended up being a brand. That brand was supposed to be. <laughs> there's a lot of supposed to be. There's oh, this whole story mm-hmm. has like what I thought it was, and then what it actually was. And they told me it was a symbol for the elements. And weeks later, when we figured out that it was actually a symbol for the leader of the personal development group, which overarching umbrella's name is called Nexium, if you haven't heard about it in the news, I'm surprised because <laughs> it was all over. It still continues to be in the news. Yeah. Um, when I found out that it was a cryptic monogram for his initials, this is information that they hid from me because why would I say yes to that? Right. And that... I mean, not only woke me up from the slumber I was in, and what waking, waking up is the best way I, I describe coming out of the uh, belief system that, that is part of a, a cult or a group that uses coercive control. When I woke up, I realized that um, Keith is not who he said he was this whole time and that it was basically a criminal enterprise. And the personal development program that I taught and that I brought to Canada was a front, essentially, to bring people in for... Uh, you know, for his own personal needs to be met sexually, monetarily, and whatnot. So I made it my mission to not only bring him down and to expose the truth, but to free, literally free the slaves that he had Mm. um, under his control emotionally, and in some cases also physically. So I'm very, uh, excuse me, very happy to say I've been five years out at the end of this month. We'll be selling our five-year anniversary of freedom. Wow. Yep. And um, yeah, it's been a lot. A lot's happened since then. There was uh, a book that I wrote, which which was important for me to get it into my own words. There, I there have she it is, right here. Yep. Um, there's the brand, also, which I have to say, um, I've also had removed. It's plastic surgery. You can talk about that later if you want. Yes. Um, and then there was the Vow nine part docu series on HBO and. Now we have our podcast, A Little Bit Culty, where we talk to survivors and experts about their experience in cults so we can give people a template of the red flags and they can avoid the same pitfalls that we went went through. So same mistakes we went through. And that's right. me. How's that, how's that yes. for a summary? <laughs> I mean, that's an intro and we can stop. Um, and that's how I met you was through your podcast. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I'm sure I had heard of Nexium uh, at some point in my life, but I didn't grow up with a lot of like media influence. Mm-hmm. So I probably was a little oblivious. But when I met you in the podcast, heard the story, it was just like, oh my gosh, I need to talk to her. And so I had the opportunity to meet with you and Nippy, your husband, and chat during a podcast. And you guys just are so inspiring. Your whole story just blows my mind. And I think what you're doing now is so important for so many people as far as just making people not feel alone if they are in a high control group or situation where mm-hmm. 
it's not just them. This happens to all sorts of people. I think it can be an embarrassing thing for some people to say, oh, I joined this crazy thing. And then to admit that it's not okay and get out. I think it can be a little embarrassing or, or scary if it's a, you know, dangerous situation. But I think what you guys are bringing with your podcast is so healing and obviously it has taken off. So you're already touching so many lives of survivors or people that might still be in cults or high control groups. So I, I just love you guys and I love what you're doing. Thank you. And why don't you talk a little bit about kind of how you got in to, you know, what obviously didn't start out in your mind as a cult and kind of how that um, transpired. Sure. And this is, uh, I go into great detail on this with my book and also the vow. But I think what's what I like to highlight are the things that I missed in this recruitment process, because I think, you know, if I can make my story useful and educational for other people, then it's, you know, less painful to look back on as, oh, right. you know, the things that I miss. But um, yeah, I, I was I was dating a, uh, a guy at the time who's a filmmaker. It's 2005. And he made a film that got into a film festival. And this is at a time in my life, like I said earlier in the intro, where I was, you know, it's my early, oh no, I was mid-20s at this point. I was 27, about to turn 28. And it just wasn't fulfilled. And I've always thought I had, there was like, I actually wanted to be an actress so I could have a voice to have have influence. And I thought it would be more around like, so ironic, but helping young women because I sort of had a hard time in high school and I'd been bullied and I was a late bloomer. Mm. And I just always wanted to help people not have the same experience I had. So I just had these like, I don't know. I I thought that acting would give me a voice, a platform, Mm. and I could have causes that I could champion and things like that. Little did I know it would turn out in a very different way, but I'd be able to do that. Um, but yeah, I met this I met this filmmaker at this film festival where I was attending with my boyfriend who had a film, and he had made a film called What the Bleep Do We Know? And your audience may or may not know that film. It was huge in the mid early to mid 2000s. It was one of the top grossing docs of all time at that, at that point. And the documentary was sort of the beginning of my pseudo spiritual journey. I'd been reading books like The Artist's Way and The Celestine Prophecy. And what the bleep came out, it really talked about how you could create your own reality and like where does happiness come from and it was quantum physics and spirituality and it was a whole hodgepodge of stuff. But at the time, I really loved it. And meeting him was a real honor uh, because I wanted to make media ultimately that shifted consciousness. I wanted to have an impact. My parents always taught me make a difference. What are you going to do to leave the world a better place to live? And flip? well, if I'm an actor, that's the kind of film I want to do, not a you know beer commercial or vampire TV TV shows or whatever. So we meet. um, Not I talk about that uh, the vow these these moments where I met him and I'm all starstruck and you know really wanting to connect with him and and we had a conversation that really changed the whole trajectory of my life Uh, and we ended up spending the week together. It was actually on a cruise that went from Florida to the Bahamas. And so my boyfriend and Mark and his girlfriend at the time, we just became friends. And somewhere along that trip, he said, you know, you might like this workshop I just took. And I actually remember very clearly standing in these crystal clear waters in the Caribbean. I mean, it was all very magical. And um, he told me about Keith and how he was the smartest man in the world. And there was this community of like-minded people. And uh, he was very casual about it. Um, but there was also somebody on that same cruise who I found out later was a, rec- you know, a recruiter, whereas Mark was just sharing something that he was passionate about, chasing me around the boat with this form saying, if I signed up within the next 48 hours, I'd get a discount. And that actually really turned me off. But because it was Mark and, you know, I also do love discounts. Um, <laughs> I put a deposit, <laughs> I, d- I put a deposit down for 500 bucks but that was a like I say, I say that because it was a real red flag for me about like how there was this scarcity mentality of like there's only a few spots left. Mm. Uh, when I hear a few spots left for anything, now, really, yeah. there's only a few spots left. Really, okay, yeah. liar, <laughs> liar, always, always. Um, so that whole 
signing up process was a red, red flag. You got 20, you got 20% off if you signed up within 48 hours. So I signed mm. the paperwork. When I got home, I realized I was spending total. It was about $2,000, 2160, I think U S which was close to 2,500, even three grand my, uh, in Canadian. And I'm living in a basement suite where my rent is $400 a month. Oh. So that's a big jump for a, you know, aspiring actress. And I called the company and I tried to get my money back. That was non-refundable. But I had this conversation with somebody who basically said, and and we she basically, you know, strong-armed me uh, with all the best intentions. I still know this woman and we have no bad blood. But she basically was like, wait, you're you're 28, you're tw- turning 28 and you, and you have no money. Mm. Like when is that going to change? Mm. What if you need to pay to play? What if you need to, um, you know, I also said something about my, you know, my, I need to be available for acting as my agent. She's like, Oh, so you, do you want your, your to be waiting by the phone your whole life? Or do you want to be the master of your own destiny, oh, the gosh. captain of your own ship? I mean, these are all really good points. <laughs> if, right. if the, what she was offering was, to, was true. But the thing is, is that I did want to change, you know, and, mm. and the, the curriculum uh, offered this opportunity to basically, what they were pitching me was to, to basically give, if you're looking at your mind, body, your whole, the whole package of you as a computer, you need, you're, you're going to do a, um, like a reboot, you know, and mm. you're going to look at your, the whole system and upgrade the software of you. And that's, I still believe that that's a good thing to do every now and then. The question is who's going to do it mm. and in, in what format and do you trust the leadership and are they who they say they are? Mm. So that's a tricky thing. So that's, yeah. that's sort of the series of things that, that like the key red flags that I want to give to people if they hear this, if they're being invited to something, if there's a scarcity mentality, they're feeling pressured to sign up, um, and their issues are being used, the issues by, by another, in other words, your vulnerabilities, the things you want to change about yourself are being used against you to get you right. to do something. Right. Which yeah. is such a tactic for so many groups. You yes. know, I know on your podcast, you'll talk about like, um, the MLMs, like there's so many different levels of that use that type of tactic that, you know, it degrades you kind of as a person into thinking you need, do need more help. Uh, so you're like, oh gosh, maybe I do need this in my life. Right. Which is also pervasive in all these things in society mm. in general, this thought of like that you're not okay. Yeah. You know, which I also, it's such a fine line because you, I think you can improve yourself and better yourself without feeling like shit underneath it. Yes. And what a lot of these groups do is they take advantage of the fact that a lot of us do feel like shit in many ways, or we have unresolved shame or trauma and they tap into that and then they, they exploit it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what happened in your Mm -hmm. case, Mm -hmm. because then you got it in and you were like, full on in at that point right yes (laughs) that's the other thing is i've since learned like i had a lot of red flags right right from the beginning like Mm -hmm. those are the red flags just before even coming right if if i if i were to be presented with any of these things now i would i would know to not even sign up but once i was once i was there there was a whole other set of red flags on day one that were preempted very strategically by the leadership saying Mm -hmm. that you're you know you're here to well it started off with a with a with a question of wouldn't you agree that all successful people know their areas for growth mm-hmm. sure every success if yeah if you want to be successful <laughs> so, that, so that's the thing it's it's a it's yes. a tricky it's a uh, double bind if if you say no then you're not successful so you have to be like oh yeah yeah no i know my areas for growth okay and you're right. you paid good money to work on yourself and wouldn't you agree that when you hit areas that are out that are challenging it's going to be uncomfortable no pain mm-hmm. no gain right of yeah. course. You, so you take, these are called lifts. Keith called them mm. lifts. You lift to the next. So then they're saying, so when you feel uncomfortable, you're going to feel the urge to bolt, to leave. We just ask you to stay and work through those things with us. So, and there's truth in that. But right. when I had uncomfortable moments of like, wait, you want me to wear a sash? And you want me to uh. call him Vanguard and her prefect? And we're bowing to somebody I've never met before. And I'm paying tribute to somebody I've never met. And if I don't pay tribute, then I'm, I'm told I'm suppressive, which is the worst kind mm. of person. So I better fall in line. All these things were happening. And I basically was like, I'm going to, I can't get my money back. So I'm just going to shut the fuck up and get what I can and show that I'm 
strong enough to work through my disintegrations to stay there. And I did, not knowing that in three days you can really um, indoctrinate someone into a new belief system. Mm. And by the fifth day, I was in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is mind-blowing that in that short amount of time, and especially when you were already kind of feeling that resistance because you Mm. wanted your money back, you obviously were having feelings that were saying, ooh, maybe not a good idea. And yet, even with that, in five days, you're 100% in. Yeah. That's crazy. That is. And it is. It's so amazing the the mind control that these leaders of, you know, whatever kind of group have over people. Mm-hmm. And it is so scary. And that's, again, why I think it's so important what you're doing is sharing some of these red flags where, you know, it people might not see like you until you're out. You're like, oh yeah, lots of red flags there. And this, so this is just giving the red flags to everyone else. So hopefully if they're very approached or in a situation, they can think about some of these things. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'd also add about, about that time is that I, there's this concept called, I think it's sunk cost fallacy. Like I wanted to get get my money's worth, you know. I couldn't get my money back, and the element of people around me, like my parents, were like, "That's a lot of money," mm. and the, you know, they're in this in this world already, and they're and so part of me was it was a little bit of an individuation, like I'm not going to do your path. I'm doing my path, and mm. it was sort of proving to them that I didn't make a bad decision, right? Right, which I I feel like also explains cut to years later. Keith is in jail for 120 years and Nexium is no longer and there's still a handful of people who are loyal saying, you know, that we made it all up and Keith is a genius and we just didn't understand and we're suppressive and and for them they really doubling down on like they can't admit that maybe they made a, a bad choice, you know. Right. So that they have to be it's like a it's a pride partly a pride right. piece. So ego. much pride involved. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I see that even in the group I came from. But once you kind of got past that five days and you're in, obviously it started as a positive thing, like mm-hmm. a personal development type thing. Mm-hmm. And then how did that kind of change? Yeah. And I'll say, you know, even when I when I went back to write my book, there was this huge chunk of time that I couldn't even like I knew things were good. Things were good for the first like three to four years. Mm. Um, and by, and also keep in mind, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I had other things going on in my life. I was, I was all mm. in, but I didn't have a center yet to, for another four years. So I was okay. traveling and I was, my, I, I used the tools in my acting. I got into this tr- the Toronto film festival, which is like a really big, you know, marker of success as an actor. Um, so the tools were working and I mm. had this, you know, this little community of, of like-minded people who were working on ourselves and we were, you know, traveling. There's a school at the time in Tacoma in Washington near Seattle and we were traveling back and forth and we felt like, you know, that we were part of this sort of elite group of um, very passionate, driven um, young entrepreneurs trying to change mm. the world. And it was, it was exciting. And we had mm. great parties. And there's also lots of glamorous things during that time. I got invited on the Bronfman jet to fly. They picked me up in Vancouver and I flew to Alaska, like, you know, flying wow. on a PJs, as I've learned they're, since learned they're called, can really, <laughs> can really, you know, make someone feel special. And if so, oh, if, yeah. if, and that's, I used to think like, oh, that's such a vulnerability, but it's a really normal thing that that people yeah. want that. And um, the, another red flag I'll share in that time is there's a lot of love bombing, a lot mm-hmm. of um, special attention from the leadership, making me feel accepted, welcomed, belonging that I've never felt before in my life. Mm-hmm. And that in combination with the glamour. And then also by the time I opened my center was an opportunity to have an income. And I started making really, really good money. And so a combination of all those things made the weird, bad things kind of like just not that obvious. It overlook it. overlook it, yeah. Because it's like in any company, there's shitty things, right? Like 
one red flag is that this, this is a success program and the admin team could never process an application without some major fuck up or failure. You know, that was like, uh, you know, I'd have this VIP actress from LA coming and taking five day and they charge her credit card three times, like things like that, oh that were gosh. like, guys, you got to get your shit together. And then I get in trouble for being not humanitarian because this is a humanitarian organization and people are going to make mistakes and we have to be compassionate with those. things, shit like that. So mm. there was a lot of things that like also just didn't make sense or never added up. Like I was told Keith was celibate mm. and he was a renunciate. He didn't have any material possessions because he's so, um, enlightened he doesn't need those things mm. he has no attachments and so there were when he was surrounded by a group of women I'm like oh this is his team this is his like they you know one helping him get food and one's helping him research his next training and one's driving him it was never like oh he's having sex with all of them because why mm. a that's completely inappropriate as a leader or a therapist or a guide in any way to, right. to be doing that. Um, I mean, obviously, I was very naive and knowing yeah. what we know now. <laughs> I mean, oh. if I had seen any of the documentaries that are out now about these things, oh. I would have been like, oh, my God, he's fucking them and gotten, you know, gotten out of town. Yep. But I did not. Um, but yeah. So, so there, like when you say when did things go bad, things were bad from the beginning, mm. you know, but I couldn't see it. And Things definitely got worse over the years. There was a time I want to say, it's a bit of a blur. It's in my book, but around 2012, I think. So I was in for about seven years. And um, somewhat one of his key right-hand women left in the middle of the night. And one time I showed up in Albany and I said, where's Kristen? And, the, and she had had a son that was mm. not her. We, we had been told not her son. It was an adopted child of the organ that the, the organization sort of adopted, um, and he she was going to raise him. Mm. And then all of a sudden they were gone, and I was told that she'd gone crazy and was like living on the streets. And I was like, "What? Like, are we looking for her? Like, <laughs> and that that never sat right with me. But I figured mm. that they were on it because she was a big part of the community. All of a sudden she was gone. Then. One of my main mentors, who was somebody, uh, her name is Barbara Jeske, was getting really sick and she had brain cancer. And then another woman named Pam K. Fritz, she had, I want to say liver cancer, renal cancer. And so these are like really strong, healthy. I mean, if this is like me in 10 years in terms of like we drink green juice and kombucha and mm. we go for walks and we get infrared saunas, like all the things, not, not, an, not unhealthy people. And these, these women were getting cancer and that really, uh, I, I actually thought there was something in the water. I, I was starting mm. to do research about like things in upstate New York and was there uh, some sort of leakage from a plant or something, some toxic spill. Um, so like these were, there was these things that were happening. And then other, some other things like the Keith created a new curriculum and he brought, he basically took my entire staff and my center was very successful. It was one of the most successful was between Monterey, Mexico City and mine. And he like basically stole over half my staff to start this mm. new curriculum and then I couldn't run the the training that people paid for here so I was like always scrambling I was always mm. and that's when I look back one of the other red flags as I never had time to stop and think I was always go 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 build 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 fill fill and I was filling the trainings I was like the top one of the top I don't I say that like I'm not proud of it, it but it's just right. what it was like I was I was good at recruiting because I believed right. in it so much and and I thought I was doing good. And, and, and truthfully, like I still do believe there was good in the initial five day training and even the 16 day, but there was also the beginnings of the seeds that were planted ultimately for long-term manipulation. If you stayed, mm. you know what I mean? Like if you came and yeah. did a five day and this, I found out later from many people who took the training when I was apologizing and they were like, you know, I got my money's worth and I'm okay. And other, wow. you know, another, which was great to know. And they're like, I, I still use this tool or that tool. I'm like, well, just so you know, Keith didn't create that, you know, that comes from NLP and that comes from cognitive behavioral therapy. And that comes from Buddhism and that comes from Scientology, <laughs> which comes from <laughs> Lifespring, which, you know, like there's this whole <sighs> web of like, all of these tools are kind of a hodgepodge of things that come from other places and nobody can really come up with anything unique now because it's all the same shit. Right. You know? So, uh, I mean, and then and ultimately what it was is in 2014, I had, uh, Nippy and I had our first child and that really shifted my priorities 
and mm-hmm. pulled, pulled me away from the organization, which I think they felt. And that's when they promoted me to a level that I've been trying to get to for a long time, my green sash. So they kind of like hooked me back in yep. and gave me another level of authority, which I liked, um, mm. but also was like, wait, why did I get this? <laughs> like it didn't feel earned. Yeah. Um, and then there was a couple years of like, just same thing, go, 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 go. And that's when they brought me into the women's group. Mm. I was invited to the women's group by my best friend, uh, the godmother of our child and my maid of honor, Lauren. And it was, I just thought it was like a, you know, a kind of next level exercise. Right. And I, I said, sure. I mean, I had yeah. lots of red flags there, but I was like, that, she said, that's the whole point. If you feel if you feel anxious about it, that means you're like doing it right. <laughs> mm. Gosh. And your book explains that all. Oh my gosh. In so much depth. Yeah. And, and again, it's just so amazing that manipulation. And even in that instance, probably I'm sure you felt like, ooh, it's an elite group and I got invited. So I'm extra special. Mm-hmm. But it's mind-blowing what that group was and turned into which was that kind of ultimately what got you out correct yeah I think if I hadn't been branded and it had gone to that extreme I don't know what I'd still be doing I'm I mean Mm. I didn't really realize how many problems I had with the organization until I could see it for what it was because Mm. I just couldn't it's, it's also like the way that it's set up in that if I had a problem with anything, like, like for example, when they started this new curriculum, I was expected to fill it and fill the trainings and recruit for it. But they decided because it was new curriculum, they weren't going to pay us as there was only, there was only a handful of salespeople that did what I did. And we made a commission depending on the program. It was 10% or 20% commission. And that took a lot of work for me to do that. So all of a sudden they weren't paying me. Because oh, some bullshit reason. At one point, I even asked, and I was told I was being entitled, which is like one of the worst things to be, um, especially as a, as a woman. That was yeah, like you know, women were. There's a whole female empowerment curriculum called Jeunesse, and that was one of the things we looked at. It's like, what are the things that we do that aren't good? Like we're princessy and we're entitled, and we're all these terrible traits. It was supposed to be empowering, but ended up making us feel terrible as women. Hmm. So. Um, sorry, I tangented. So, so there was these things that I was aware of, but like, you can't complain if you say, if you, if you say anything like that, then it's your issue. Or if I were like, Oh, look, I'm really upset that I'm doing all this work and I'm not getting compensated for it. Like, well, you seem really upset about that. You need to go journal on it and talk to your coach and then come back to me when you're less reactive, Mm. you know, the, the level it, so that, so that kind of thing. And you weren't allowed to ever go down like there's a you know it's in the pyramid scheme of it all or in the structure if I were to have recruited you and you're my best friend say and you're like how are you I was always like I'm great I'm so good Mm. so the toxic positivity which you also see a lot in MLMs you can't ever express any negativity or any doubt because that's that's bad leadership you know that's that's it's um and there is showing weakness yeah you don't show any weakness and you don't want to show you like it's always you put on that face so I couldn't go up and I couldn't go down. So when things fell apart. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, Nippy and I were in many ways relieved because we didn't, like, we were doing so much work for a company that was Mm. really destined to fail. It wasn't ever, 
set up for the things that we thought it was set up for. It was really set up just so that Keith could have a steady supply of fresh women. That's mm. it. And enough money for him to do what he wanted to do. How long were you in co- total? total? 12 years almost to the month. Wow. Mm. So that's a big chunk of your life. Mm-hmm. My entire and... 30s. Wow. Yeah. And you had your, did you have your second child when you were in or was no. that once you were out? Um, he was born in 2019. So I had been out for three years, two years. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. so when you were in, when you speak about like, if you're having issues, who you have to talk to, were you ever allowed any outside counseling or any help besides what they would provide for you? It wasn't even that it wasn't allowed. We we had been indoctrinated to believe that therapy was bullshit. Mm. That therapy was just talk, talk, talk. And what we did got to the core of the issue. So I don't even trust my parents' expertise or had zero respect for what they did because I didn't think it was any good. Mm. I actually, wow. when my original boyfriend, the one I started Nexium with, uh, we, did th- we were together for th- the first three years of my time there. And we grew apart partly because I went up the straight path and he didn't really. And Mm. it was also very much kind of frowned upon to be with somebody who like wasn't on mission if you were on mission. And I don't even know where we'd be if, you know, we hadn't started Nexium because we were very much driven apart by that sort of mentality. But we did try to see a couples counselor in that time. And I just remember thinking and looking at him going, I know more than you. And like, you can't help me because you're asking questions that don't even make sense, given what I know about the definitions of like love and whatever. Like, I just didn't. Wow. Because you were (laughs) trained to be smarter Mm -hmm. than everyone else. Ironically, sidebar, I went back to that couple's counselor and Nippy and I see him now and he's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> Full circle. He's helped me a lot. I have lots of respect oh, for him now. That is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, how, so kind of when you got branded, so you got into this elite women's group, and which was basically Keith's group, yeah. but you weren't told that, right? right? He was supposed to be not even involved in this group no. at all. Is that correct? Correct. It was a women's only group. And oh. we'd never know who was in it. We'd never know except for this. There was like these little pods. I would only know who my sisters were and my master, but I'd never know who her master was because that was Keith. Wow. That's, that's not weird at all. (laughs) Yeah. Totally normal. And I I do like, you know, obviously I'd love for people to read my book, but it's also explained better in, in there and in the vow because there's a lot of things that led up to that. It wasn't just like, yeah, I'm going to join this and then get branded. There was a, Various levels of ensuring consent, ensuring mm. um, that, or sorry, that it would look consensual. It wasn't actually consensual, but it even came out in the trial that Keith told Allison, have the women say in the branding, master, would you brand me? It would be an honor so that it looks consensual and that they, they could mm. always go back and say, well, they asked for it. <sighs> you know, shit like that. And so they they set it up so that you, and this is the whole thing with Nexium and what I've since learned with every cult is that people can't – coercion is a metaphorical gun to the head. There's always mm. something held against you. And I'm so actually just interviewing um, uh, a man who um, was exposing this this cult and actually in, not far from where you are. Uh, have you heard of Fellowship of Friends? Mm, no. Okay. It's a whole – I'll send you the podcast link for that one. But yes, please do. Yeah, in the community, like same sex relationships were not allowed. You couldn't be gay. But the leader was basically sodomizing or getting sodomized by all these young straight men. That's only so he would behind closed doors, right? Mm. And and these men, at the, by the time they get brought into that, have been told all these things that the, and they believe and they've bought in to a number of levels of indoctrination, including that if you leave, like you're dead. Uh, so yeah. in the moment of being like, you know, do this or do that, you don't, you, you don't have a choice right. in your mind. Right. Right. So there, right. there's no actual gun to the head, but there's a meta, there's a, there's the belief that it's this or you die or you're, you know, you're, you're cast out and you have nothing. And a lot of these men actually came from Russia and Romania 
And they were brought there on religious visas to do work for this mm-hmm. church, which it's not even a church. It was just set up that way so that they could have protection and tax exemption. Right. So why don't you talk a little bit about kind of getting out and I know I want people to read your book as well because I it was great. But why don't you talk a little bit about getting out and how kind of sketchy that was mm-hmm. and then kind of your life after sure. now. And honestly when I when I got the and I I did narrate the audible so when I that was the first time I it took 4 days. I did 4 hour chunks of about 4 days and when I read it by the time I got to this part I was like wow this reads like a true crime, like radio play. It was so intense. I was like, this is crazy yeah. that this happened to me. And I'm not going to go into all the details because I'll save it for your listeners. But I mean, I was, you know, I went to the FBI. I was, you know, talking to the to authorities in upstate New York. I was writing letters to the medical board about the branding. All the while living a double life. There was a, a two or three week period where Nexium didn't know that I was awake and out. And I was basically trying to bind my time to figure out how to exit. And it went in stages It from, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. I've got to get out. And then, whoa, this is much bigger than I thought. And as my husband and I shared with people that we felt we could trust, because we understood pretty quickly that if we went to the, told the wrong person, it would go right to the top. And then I'd be the defector and I'd be sued in a second. Because I'd seen what they'd done to other defectors in the past, uh, mm-hmm. dragging them through lawsuits for, for decades. So... Um, we were very strategic. There was a team of us or we were, we, as I said, we went from like, we have to get out to like, no, we have to expose this. And we knew that other women were involved, but we didn't know how many. And when I, re- when I realized that the DOS, the women's group had basically recruited almost my entire female staff in Vancouver, except for maybe two or three, um, I was livid because I then found out as I started to warn people, and most of these women hadn't been branded yet. I thank God we like I was literally getting people from getting like stopping people from getting on a plane to come to the next coach mm. retreat, which I was supposed to be at also. And I knew the next round of branding was going to take place. So initially it was like stop the branding, um, expose the you know, ex- expose, the, expose the truth the best way we could without getting in trouble. And then as we started to talk to people, we realized that a lot of these other women had given way more. And I didn't get into this earlier, but even just to get into DOS, you had to give collateral to ensure your secrecy. That would be on the line should you ever spoke out. And I found out that other women had given like sex tapes and, you know, very personal, explicit, up close pictures of their genitalia. And I was, I mean, I, this this is my community. I feel very protective over it. A lot of these people had never even been to Albany, or if they had, they'd only gone to the retreats or a couple of courses. I had built a very beautiful, cohesive, supportive, loving community in Vancouver, and now these women were being exploited. And I also had figured out pretty quickly these pictures aren't for collateral. These are these are pictures for Keith's personal spank bank. Mm-hmm. And it came out in the trial that that's he was doing. He was taking up close pictures of women's vaginas since even before the women's group. Like that's what he did with the women that he fucked. It was like part of his thing, you know. And that that ended up being one of the major pieces of evidence too in the trial. All these vagina photos, right? Isn't that wild? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh. So yeah, very wild. Very wild. All of this to say. Um, most people we spoke to were instantly disgusted. And because I was so afraid of breaking my vow and having my collateral released, I wasn't even telling people. Mm. I was just saying, I can't speak about it. I'm leaving. And because people trusted Nippy and I, they're like, well, if Nippy and Sarah are leaving, I'm leaving. I don't care what it is. Mm. And other people who had already had some experience with DOS were like, whoa, that's where it's going? I'm supposed to have Keith's initials on my body? Fuck that. Mm. Save for a handful of people who... Unfortunately, were basically scooped up by the leadership before I could get to them. Had fucked enough to make the make the decision for themselves that they had had a good experience, and I had clearly just had a bad experience. And then there was this whole campaign against us about you know Sarah's having a temper tantrum and all these different rumors and lies spread about me. Like I wanted a spot on the executive board, and I didn't get it, and now I'm reacting or. Nippy and I are having troubles, so I'm doing it to save the marriage, which actually was what we had planted. 
<laughs> because we, oh. yeah, we did. This was part of our exit strategy. We'd been told that to leave a group like this, you have to leave because of your issues, right? Like, oh, she's never she's like we'd heard it from other people. All they, you know, they she was never able to work through her pride, and so she, you know, she's gone, or she's never been able to work through her suffering and whatever whatever the thing was that was your thing mm. was why you left. So Nippy and I, I'm, we made it look that Nippy was upset that I'd been branded and that, um, I was going to choose him and try to work on our marriage and leave the company. That's what I told Lauren. Mm. And that, that was great because that's, <laughs> that was a good exit for, you know, yeah. as it was a good cover up for the fact that we were both leaving. Cause we, we can't, you can't actually say, you know, to, to Keith or a narcissistic sociopath, you're a bad person. We see it and we're going to expose it because then they're going to do whatever they can to destroy you. So we, we had to be like, we're all good. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. I'll give you, you know, you can have the center. Someone else can run it, but we have to go work on our marriage because this is clearly no, no good <laughs> that I have. Right. right? <laughs> it's all our fault. Yeah. So th- Just to get right. out. So then it was like Sarah's dependent on Nippy. She's never worked through her dependency issues. And, you know, Nippy's really angry. He's never worked through his anger issues. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gave you part of your out. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that part of your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then there was a trial. Now, how long is Keith in prison for again? Um, well, just a quick, quick thing before that. Yeah. Um, myself, Mark Vicente, the one who brought me in also helped me get out his wife, Bonnie Peace and Catherine Oxenberg were the, went on the record in the New York times and that article, um, and I'm on the front page of the New York times showing my brand. So people could see this, this physical abuse. And up until now, I mean, Keith had been abusing people emotionally and sexually for many years, but that's very hard to prove. Now I have the physical proof on my body. I was the only one willing to show it, which is crazy to me because there was other women who were out with me who were just, they didn't want to be, they were just too scared. They they were too ashamed. They, and I also didn't want their collateral release. At this point I was like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Cause, yeah. cause as also don't forget as a leader, as the women, as a woman who brought in all these other women, I felt like it was my responsibility to do whatever I could. And yeah. the, some of the other women that were branded with me, they weren't at that same level of leadership and didn't want to do that. And I totally, I hated it, but I respected it. You know, right. I wish I wasn't so alone, but, but those women mm. did give off the record statements for the New York times. So they knew it wasn't just one person. And right. that article uh, started the investigation in, in the Eastern District, not the district in which Keith operates, because that district, we believe there'd been a, lot, a bunch of corruption to protect him, whether people were bought off. We don't know. That's still coming to light. But a different mm. dis- district uh, prosecuted him. Cut to six-week trial, very quick deliberation of the jury as they, it was so clear that all these these allegations were true, and he got sentenced to 120 years plus five years probation. <laughs> <laughs> That is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And how did that feel oh. when that came through? I mean, I think we both cried tears of relief. I mean, it's not it's not it's not like a joyful thing. It's it's more of a like it's vindication, it's closure, um it's relief that the justice system works and it doesn't always work, you know. And right. there's been times of course in history where it hasn't, but the evidence was there, the testimonies were very clear. And the pattern of abuse is very clear, but it's also like a heavy sadness that watching my friends uh, have mm-hmm. to be under scrutiny and win the trial. And then also other friends like Lauren, my former friend, mm-hmm. um, being cross-examined by Keith's, in my opinion, very, I'm going to say douchebag, but just like, just a, he has, you know, he's got a job to do too, but it's just like the, right. his yeah. line of questioning was very difficult to, I read transcripts mm. later. Um, just to, to see my friends go through that is painful. So it's a, it's a whole mixture of emotions, but ultimately even now they're, they are appealing and trying to um, come up with all this bullshit about like planted evidence and, um, <sighs> you know, and everyone can see exactly what they're doing. It's ironic because allegedly 
Keith had a, an enemy um, who was blogging about him, and he had him. But this is the this is the this is what I understand. I don't know. I haven't done a deep dive on it. But he planted. He had the local authorities arrest him and plant one piece of child porn on his computer, and that's what got this other guy arrested. And that's what Keith is saying has happened to him: is that the FBI oh, planted it, or there was tampering oh, of the evidence, gosh. or whatever. But you, oh. you could also have another trial and put everyone under oath and ask them again, at what age did you start having sex with Keith O'Neary and would all come out again? Anyway, it's a, it's a really right. messy situation. And so even now they're trying to appeal and there's always that thought in my mind of like, is he going to find some crazy loophole and be out on the streets again? Right. And it's like you said, it's ongoing. The first season of The Vow, which you had mentioned before, is on HBO. The second season, did it just come out? Mm-hmm. Mm, not, yeah, sorry. it's out now, right? I'm sorry. It's not out yet. I don't even have an announcement, but hopefully soon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the second season is soon. Mm-hmm. Are you on the second season? I am, but I'm not as featured as far as I know. I'm there, but it's okay. more focused on the inner circle and okay. the trial and some of the leadership as far as we know. Oh, yeah. Like apparently Nancy and Keith are both interviewed. Oh my gosh. Oh, that'll be very interesting. Yeah. And then speaking of her, he still has, like you said, this group that truly still believes in him and everything he stands for. And that has caused you to lose some relationships yeah. that of people that were really close to you, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the people that are still loyal to him were at our wedding. And mm-hmm. um, I just want them to get their lives back. I want them to to like they don't think they need to wake up I think they need to wake up but ultimately they can't see what we can see which is that Keith is not who he says he is yeah. and all the things yeah. that he that Keith has done they can if you if I mean if it was true that Keith really is a noble humanitarian the most ethical and most intelligent man a modern day Jesus or Buddha then everything he does can be explained by like you know, he's got a reason for everything he does because he's, he sees things that we can't, you know, and he has, mm. you know, he's got a higher level of consciousness or intelligence or awareness. And so maybe branding his initials on people's body is a part of a, you know, something that, and, and there are people who were like, really, maybe I just don't understand it. I even had that when I left, mm. like, maybe I don't understand his genius, right. you know? So there, in that structure, and this is something that all of these cults that we've researched, I have seen as a pattern, is that when you put someone on that pedestal and give them authority to make the decisions in your life or to know better, assuming mm. that's true, and they can get away with anything. That's where the ultimate abuse yeah. of power happens. Like that cult right. I was just mentioning um, with Fellowship of Friends, this leader is, is you know, sexually abusing these young men and saying this is their only chance to have a real connection with God. Right. And yeah. And they believe it. So in yeah. their minds and listen, I've been there because I was in Nexium when we were being attacked and I thought, wow, like the world really doesn't understand what we're trying yeah. to do. Like how devastating. Mm. So I I get where they're coming from. I just wish I could right. reach in and be like, You can let go now. He's it's over. Yeah. Start again. Yeah. Just Ugh. so it's really yeah. sad to me. Devastating. Oh, absolutely. And like you were saying earlier, it it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's all around us, all these groups that you would never really know about. And that's becoming very clear to me as I kind of dig in more to my healing is, wow, this is actually like more common than you would think. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is sad for those that are still inside these types groups and can't see it, but same as you, like I can remember still, I was born into our group, but I can understand those that are still apart because I was there not very long ago. Mm-hmm. So you still understand that kind of um, the mental brainwashing really that is going on for years and years and years. So it's hard to judge people that are still in those situations, mm-hmm. but 
same as you. It's just like, oh my gosh, there's so much freedom out here. Yes. Like it just, it makes me really sad. Yeah. And you don't realize how free, well, you don't, you don't realize how not free you were until you are free. Yeah. And just like I didn't realize how, like every relationship I had, every person I met from a waitress to somebody on the plane to someone at a party, I couldn't help but think, you know, what's going on for them? Where are they struggling? And what program would be good for them in Nexium? Janass, mm. SOP, Rainbow, Executive Success, everybody. That's how I, I was always recruiting. I was always, and we called it enrolling, which Keith mm. said was building humanity. Oh, so I just, precious. yeah, so I was just out there building humanity. <laughs> One person at a time. And I didn't realize how much that tainted every conversation because really there was, even though Mm. at the time it was a positive agenda, I I still had a hidden one. Right. And to to be out in the world and just be like, oh, Shaddy, what do you do? I mean, now I'm going to recruit you into my podcast, but. (laughs) Right. Right. But you genuinely care and want to know about another person. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way. We were so judgmental and also like superficial relationships. So none of our relationships were deep. And so that's been so exciting being out. And of course, now I'm in my 40s and I'm creating friendships, true, intimate, real relationships with people Mm -hmm. that I've never had before. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, we don't have to pretend to be happy all the time. Yeah. It's okay to have bad days. Totally. What it would have, that is a freedom. Like, the freedom to mm. actually feel how you feel and not have a, a face on. Right. And the, right. the other freedom I found, I think I talked about this in my book. I don't remember now, but I, you know, clearing my, I use iCal and I have for years. And I used to be always so proud of like how everything was, I color code it. You know, ESP was red and acting yep. was green and my son was orange and personal was pink. And so I could be like, look at how full my life is, you know? Mm. But then when I got out and I deleted all of my weekly conference calls, and I think I had, it was about 20 hours just of conference calls, the green call, the orange call, the executive call, the goals lab call, all these different things that I had to be on. And truthfully, in the last, at least the last three, four years of before I left, I would be on the call and then I'd mute and like clean my house or go for a walk or like do push-ups or whatever. Like I was, I was always multitasking, but I had to be on the call and to check in. Hey, Sarah here. Yes, I did this. I did that. Like check in on my things. I was supposed to check in on weigh in where I needed to weigh in. But most of the time I was phoning, I was phoning it in, but just to be able to delete those things and all of a sudden have an open calendar. Like, what am I doing with my time? Who am I? What what do I even like? Yeah. You know, learning how to relax. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm answering your question about healing from earlier. Yes, I had to learn how to relax. Yes. I'm still learning how to relax. That's hard. Uh, it's a hard one. <laughs> I feel the same. Uh, but that's good. So you are, you're happy now. You're healing. You're obviously changing the world and helping people in a way, like you said, that wasn't really what you had planned. <laughs> But you're doing it now. So that's exciting. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. It's very cool. And you got two kiddos. Got two beautiful kiddos. I mean, my life is basically trying to find the balance between, you know, being a good present mom and and researching and prepping and then post, you know, doing all the post stuff for the podcast and sort of acting. I took a bit of a, a time off over the last five or six months recognizing I do love to act, but I don't love auditioning. In fact, I hate auditioning. Mm. And the return on okay. investment is just not high enough. So I stopped for a bit and then really, I'm really trying to like just act without auditioning, just accept yeah. offers. So putting it out there to the universe, I will be in nice. your project if it's a good fit, but I don't want to audition for it. I just don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, that's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a nice place to be. Yeah. Oh, I bet. That's wonderful. So wonderful. Well, I have three rapid fire questions that I end every podcast with. And the first one is, what is a book besides yours, of (laughs) course, because we know that one that you would recommend to maybe in this case, someone that cult related, 
Okay, hold on one second. And you're healing what's helped. Pull it up one second. It's right behind me here. This one. I do love this book, Take Back Your Life by Yanya Lala. It's just is probably the thing I recommend the most for healing. Um, and okay. sidebar, I did narrate the audible for her because I, I know. <laughs> you probably know this, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't read a book. I couldn't, uh. I was, couldn't sit still. I had such bad PTSD when I first got out that I couldn't sit still. So I bugged her for years. I'm like, please, if you're going to do an audible, let me do it. And I think I did a pretty good job. Oh, yeah. I'd like to say. It's amazing. And I also reading yeah. it again that slowly and also because you have to like repeat almost every paragraph. It really I was like that was a therapeutic. Pro- I should have paid her to let me do that. Yeah. Um, I bet. That was really good. I also really love that is... Combat and Cult Mind Control by Stephen Hassan. That's not so much. Well, it's part of the healing in terms of educating yourself. But I also recommend that mm-hmm. to people who like want to understand it if they have a family member in and they want to, you know, know how these things work. Perfect. I like that uh, viewpoint Mm -hmm. as well. I know you guys touch on that a lot in your podcast because I think there are probably so many families out there. Mm -hmm. It's like my kid's getting into this weird group. What do I do? How do Mm -hmm. I, you know, support them? So I love how you guys kind of talk about that on your podcast. Um, Well, we kind of already know the answer Mm -hmm. to this one, but it's where did you meet your spouse, Nippy? <laughs> so we kind of already know that cult. because, yes, yeah, it was part of your story. Yeah. So we didn't have to go there. Sure. Uh, what is the best compliment you've ever received? It's got so emotional because I get them over email and DMs on my Instagram when people say that my story or the podcast or the book or just speaking out has helped them. Um, to process or to, in some cases, to even not join something in the first place or to escape. Um, to have that impact, to know they've had that impact is very meaningful to me. Mm. That's the best compliment yeah. that I can get. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And that's it. I don't know. The world we live in where we can do that, you know, by having a podcast or a social media account is it's, it's amazing. Cause your reach is, there's no, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no cap yeah, on the reach no that you can have. Mm-hmm. What's there's that? No ceiling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's the fact that like that we get, that we get, we would never have met. You and I would never right. have met, you know, I, I know I have met actually mostly women, but also men, but like, I've met so many incredible women. I have a friend in Israel. I've, you know, friends all over the world many of them I haven't met in real life yet right? because of the pandemic, but like, what a gift. I agree. I completely agree. I have met some amazing people. You. <laughs> we'll definitely meet you a person one, one day. one of them. It'll, it has to happen. And, I'll, and I think that's so great with your podcast that you are now using your platform to shine light on all these things that I know you've struggled with. And I think mm-hmm. this is a new era of people you know, bearing their souls and their vulnerabilities so other people can go, oh, shit, I'm not, I'm not alone. Yeah. And they don't have to join a cult. It, yeah. I don't know if you remember, um, there was a man named Barry Meyer. He wrote the original New York Times article, but he was interviewed for The Vow, and he said sunlight is the best disinfectant. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. So yeah. true. And I, I, I've had people say that the podcast is therapy for them, and I, and I, I am grateful for that and – try to provide a list of resources for therapy. Yes. Especially in the cult space, so much of my initial therapy was talking to experts just to understand what had happened to me. And right. I know that that's provided in our podcast with just looking at the templates, what are the what are the strategies used, what are the abuses of power, and not to say, oh, that's a cult, or you're in a cult, but like what's happening in your particular group or religion or relationship or organization where there's one of those strategies being used? Right. And do you want to stay there? Right. You know, and just be aware of it. Yeah. Be aware and act accordingly. Yeah. And you do have an amazing list of resources, which I will put in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on it. Well, guys, that was a fun episode with my friend Sarah Edmondson. And again, I'm so grateful that she was able to come on this podcast and share with us all a little bit of her story. 
I do have to give a little apology for the sound situation. I, of course, am figuring this whole podcast thing out on my own and am having um, a little situation with the sound when I'm recording with other people. My voice is sounding very sluggish and slow. So for those of you that follow me on the social medias, you know my voice is not sluggish and slow. So I hope that hasn't been too annoying. I am trying to figure it out and fix it. I love that you guys are hanging with me and not giving up on me. So thank you so much. Please check out the show notes to find all the places you can follow Sarah. She is on Instagram. They have their podcast, A Little Bit Culty, that you must go listen to. I have listened to every single episode at least twice, and I have found it so beneficial. So if you are in a high control group or cult type situation or relationship, I highly recommend checking out her podcast because there's just, there's so, so much information that they go check them out. Thanks again for hanging out with me, guys. I really appreciate it. And I'll try to get the sound figured out. So eventually I won't sound like a sluggish turtle on the podcast. Bye guys. Thank you so much for being here for another episode of the Shanty Pants Show. I really appreciate your support, so please leave me a review and some stars and share my show with all of your friends because I'm sure they will want to hear it as well. And if you just can't wait for next week and you need to know what I'm up to in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Official Shanty Pants and on YouTube and Facebook at Shanty Pants. See you next week. This is the moment. It's time to turn the page. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.